Well, greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 171 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Fabanis, and I am your host for this series, as well as I got this best gosh darn co-host out there. His name is Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. Well, I was talking last night, Magneto and the Titanium Man, and we were talking about you, Bob. Oh, they said you were involved in a robbery that was due to happen at a quarter to three in the Main Street. I didn't believe them, Magneto and Titanium Man. But when the Crimson Domino finally assured me, well, I knew. Magneto said, now the time come to gather our forces and run. Oh, no, this can't be so. And then it occurred to me, you couldn't be bad. Magneto was mad. Titanium, too. And the Crimson Dynamo just couldn't cut it no more. You were the law. <laughs> Rick, you never cease to amaze me with your musical acumen. Oh, well, thanks, Bob. You know, I wasn't singing, right? <laughs> you weren't? It sounded melodic to my ears. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know yeah, that I song? Well, Magneto like, and Titanium Man. There you go. There you go. Uh, it sounds like a, like a Paul McCartney uh, uh, jive. It, it, it totally is. Uh, as you know, Paul McCartney is my favorite musician. And uh, he was in this little band uh, after the Beatles called The Wings. Oh, yeah. 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 Didn't they it's, do a James Bond song, too? Oh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Live yeah. and Let Die. Good song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they, listen, The Wings had like a ton of hits, a ton of hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. And on the run, right? Was that one of theirs? Yeah. It just celebrated 50 year anniversary of Band on the Run. Great song. Oh, awesome song. It has uh, many different, um, uh, what's the musical term? Uh, sonnets? Um where they they go into it like three completely different songs um i don't know the musical term for it but hmm. uh anyway yeah yeah i i love me some some paul mccartney but uh why am i singing about magneto and titanium man bob well could it be that today's story might have magneto in it no it's titanium man Oh, I read the wrong one again. Oh, Damn it. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, you're right. It is Magneto. We are today covering Captain America Annual Number Four from 1977, which does star Magneto as the villain. Now, this song, Magneto and Titanium Man, came out in 1975. It was um, it was the B side to uh, a single they were releasing. Do you remember B sides, Bob? I do. I do remember them. Some of them Did you get got darn good. Did you get the the like the little forty fives back in the yeah. day? Yeah, yeah. In fact, when I was recently back home, uh, where in the home I grew up in, I actually looked around in my old bedroom to see if any of them were uh, still there, and I, I couldn't find any. So they they were pilfered long ago by somebody. But uh, but I was hoping some of those old forty fives were going to be there. Now, speaking of pilfered forty fives, uh, my mom never let uh, my sister. Uh, I guess forget this, but she had um, one of those little 45 carrying boxes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and 
uh, so you could take them over your friend's house, you know, and play your right. 45s, right? Yeah. And she had a bunch of original 45s of the Beatles and Elvis. One of my sister's uh, boyfriends at the time, uh, <laughs> she he was a big Beatles fan. He was like, oh, can I see those? And then they broke up and they never got them back. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, got, I, I can do one better on that. Okay. Yeah. Not me, but a certain sibling of mine, and I won't name him. But my just mouth, dad just mouth. Nope. Yeah. My I would never do that. I would not like for me, it's it's a matter of personal ethics that I would not skyline one of my siblings. But my dad had a ring. It was a cat's eye ring. So not an expensive ring. You know what a cat's eye stone I remember is, right? those. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cat's eye ring set in like, Very a, like a, a silver uh band. And it had been given uh from my father's grandfather to his first son to my dad, who was the first son of my grandfather, to one of my siblings. And he was on a backpacking trip in Northern Ireland mm -hmm. and somehow lost it. And so the theory was- Why was did you deep. just quote lost? Well, because it's never been quite clarified whether it was pawned or given to a girl or uh -huh. lost. Okay. So again- Laser- given from my great grandfather to the first son, to the first son, to one of my siblings who mm -hmm. I won't mention by name. Yeah. Yeah. We won't go with the formula of first son. No, at no, all. No. No, 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 no. If you want your mind to wander in that direction, so be it. But uh, uh -huh. yeah, it's four generations of this ring being passed down and it was most likely given to some girl he met in Ireland on a backpacking trip. Uh-huh. At like age 18. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. So. Uh, what does that have to do with 45s, Bob? How did you well, want to these, the for, these, my 45 story, Bob? These heirlooms, you know, these family heirlooms, you know, we lend them out or give them to like. Are you going on a tangent, girlfriend. Bob? I was specifically talking about 45s. I know. I know. I did just take that yep. and run with it in a, in a different direction. I certainly did. How dare you, Bob? <laughs> I am trying to conduct a. Uh, a podcast here mm -hmm. uh, our listeners expect you know uh, mm -hmm. none of these tangents well just kind of go off on a side i know i tangents but i'm going to tell you another one because the reason I, I i i have a gold nugget ring you know what a gold nugget ring is rick that i don't know it's it looks like a piece of gold nugget and it's a ring oh wow and for some bizarre and, reason my dad marketing came up with a great name for that one <laughs> but they were in my mom and dad were in las vegas uh, visiting uh -huh. me because i i worked somewhat close and we met in las vegas and they were visiting uh -huh. and my dad happened to see one in the window of the store and, and had his heart set on a gold nugget ring and so <laughs> my mom eventually like got him one okay like for his birthday or something and he eventually gave that to me several years ago and, and my son has been hankering after it and i'm like there is no way i am giving you a golden nugget ring at age you know 14 okay because i think we know what happens when 14 year old boys get like something of value right and and, and come across a girl yeah and come across a girl i want to go study with you uh -huh. here's my box of 45s or you know my gold nugget ring or my cat's eye ring uh-huh gone forever so all right. Well, since we're on rings, okay. I have a yeah. story uh, about um, my mom had a mood ring. Mm -hmm. Do you remember mood rings, Bob? I, I, I most certainly do. Yes. Yeah. So one day, uh, my dad, my mom were there, and maybe a couple of their siblings, and um, and they're talking about 
the different colors of the, what the different colors mean and you know something like oh well red means you're angry and blue means you're at peace and green and before anybody could finish i said means you're horny <laughs> <laughs> i must i must have been like eight or nine <laughs> i don't even know if i knew what horny meant oh, i just great. Uh, all right, I'm going to bring it back around, Rick. You ready? This is how I. This is how we close the loop. You ready? Okay, because I'm, I'm. I have more to talk about. Oh, Paul no. McCartney and the Wings. Well, <laughs> Just one of saying. my. One of my favorite 45. I didn't have a huge collection. Not enough for a box that I could take over and loan to my. You know, my romantic interest. But my favorite 45 was an original Chuck Berry, My Dingaling. Oh, yes. <laughs> you remember that song? Yes, that my dingling. Yeah, my ding. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a classic. That was it. One totally of my- is. Um, so back in the seventies, we used to get together um, on Christmas Eve, uh, or maybe it was Christmas Day. I think. Yeah, actually, I think about it, it was later in Christmas Day, like uh, to to my mom's sister's house, and all. The, the aunts and uncles came over on my mom's side and all the cousins and everything. And it came, came a point where I was the youngest of all the cousins. Not only was the youngest of my family, the five kids, but I was youngest of all the cousins. I was truly the baby. And so there were, there were cousins there that were 12, 15 years older than me. And they, uh, but they all took turns doing like, um, oh, I don't know. What, what do you call a, uh, a talent show type things, right? Oh yeah, and go, talents. And mm. every year, one of my cousins would get up with a guitar and play "My Dangling." It's a classic, classic Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can, can I get back to Paul McCartney and the Wings, oh, please? Sorry, go ahead. I know you're like Paul. All right, so that so that um, Magneto and Titanium Man. Uh, I first learned about that song probably when it was in the late '80s. Um, because it wasn't a, a popular, like it wasn't like a hit, right? It was again, it was a B side, but it was played live on uh, a uh, a Wings Wings Over America, I think was the name of the album, and it was basically uh, songs from their seventy five seventy six world tour. Now, here's the interesting part: so he performed, or the the band performed Magneto. Um, and Titanium Man. And when they did that, they had comic art of Magneto and Titanium Man and Crimson Diamond up on the screen behind them. Wow. And so the Magneto backdrop was done by George Tuska and, and John uh, Tartag. I always get this. People refer to him as John Tartag, but it's Tartaglione. Uh, mm-hmm. He was an anchor. And uh, anyway, so... the. During this this concert, um, uh, Paul McCartney was he was a huge Marvel Comics fan, and um, he actually met with Jack Kirby uh, on the Los Angeles uh, uh, tour, and uh, he gave him front row seats and backstage passes um, for the for the show, wow. and uh, because apparently Jack Kirby's daughter was a was a big fan of. of wings and beetles and so on so he um and then kirby came backstage and he met with paul and linda uh paul's wife mccartney and uh he he gave them an original drawing um that he did just just for them wow that's neat 
right? So it kind of brings it full circle, it right? Not only is a song yeah. Paul McCartney, uh, Magneto, which we're talking about today, but it talks about Jack Kirby, who, by the way, is the writer, penciler, and editor for today's comic. There you go. There you go. And tied up with a boat. Exactly. Well, you know, I there is a little bit more to it, Bob. Okay. All I right. did mention uh, that the inker of the Magneto that was up on the stage was uh, John Tartag. Uh, and it just so happens like, you know, um, this comes out, uh, if you're listening to this episode live, it comes out January 17th. It is John's Tartag's birthday on the 14th, just a few days ago. Well, there you have it. Happy birthday, John. Now it comes officially full circle. Yes. Uh, and then speaking of birthdays, uh, in a couple of days, January 19th, uh, Joe Staten, a uh, longtime anchor, uh, is celebrating a birthday. So an another another uh, comic creator that uh, we should help celebrate their, mm -hmm. their birthday, January 19th. Indeed, indeed. Bob, did you do anything fun today? Well, I went to I went to a basketball game. Uh, my son. Oh, was it the Golden Nuggets? Uh, nope, not quite. Uh, middle school basketball. Oh, okay. He's eighth grade, so uh, second game of the season. Talk um, about little nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so it was it was fine. We had you know it was an early game, so we got there and uh, yeah, you know it was good. It was good. They they, they played well. They played well. Did he score? Uh, a couple, a couple times. Yeah, a couple times. So but, two baskets. And a free throw. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, so, that counts. Yeah, it does count. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah, a good game. It's always amusing. I mean, they, actually, they play pretty well. They certainly play better than I remember playing in middle school. Mm -hmm. Uh Kids are just more, uh, you know, they seem more athletic, you know, the ones that play, not the ones in the, the stands, they don't seem athletic at all. They seem <laughs> less athletic than the kids in the stands when I was a kid. But then it's fun just watching the parents. Um, Cause so is many it, of them. Is it fun, Bob? I mean, it's, it's interesting. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting. Cause some of them get like super, you know, focused. there's like one dad who's, who's got like three cameras. They're not really cameras. They're like iPads on tripods recording the game what yeah i guess maybe tell they... me please tell me he's in the very back row and he's not blocking anybody no, no he's in the yeah he's in the back because that's where i sit i sit topmost bleacher in the back because you like uh, a back you like to you like to lean back i do that's exactly right and so he's he's set up and i i don't know if he's like doing a play-by-play -play later with his son uh and his son's okay his son's not great not well, maybe he wants to be great. I don't know, but 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 some parents some parents take it super seriously even at mm. that age, and, and you know some are like like me are just there really mostly for the snacks. <laughs> so the orange slices. The orange, there's no no no. I mean like they have like I, I particularly love when they play at this high school because they have like uh, they have like a snack stand, um, but they never have nachos in the morning. That's one thing I don't like about basketball is. Uh. And in morning games, there's no there's no nachos with hot cheese. So, what'd you have this morning? Uh, well, no, I you know there's nothing there I could eat. So I, oh. I looked, I looked, I was like, ah, I want really don't want a bag of chips this morning, and I mean I don't need any sour gummies. I think I'll just drink my coffee. So I got gotcha. you. Yeah, you know, uh, for basketball. Um, all right. So I 
you know, not the tallest guy in the world. And uh, I also actually have a little bit of problem with depth perception because my, my left eye is a little weaker than my right eye. Or it gets a lot weaker than my right eye. Uh -huh. um, so I, I never loved, I never liked baseball mm. because I couldn't hit the ball. Oh, yeah. That, when it's moving, you need depth perception. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. Football, loved football because here's this big brown thing coming at you and not nearly as fast as a baseball. Right. And I could catch those. You know, that was not a problem. I could throw. I could catch. Loved football. And um, uh, I played basketball for one season. And, you know, you have to try out, you know, and yeah. all that. And, and I made the B team. Right. So mm -hmm. I wasn't good enough to be on the A team. So I was on the yeah. B team. And I didn't play much on the B team, uh, but I, in in a whole season, guess how many baskets I made? Six. One. All right, one. Here's the tragic part. You ready? Uh huh. I didn't even see it. <laughs> uh, so here's what would happen. Yeah. All right. I would usually play defense. I was okay at getting in the way of people. Um, you know, uh, yeah. but you know, at one point somebody, I was open. No, no one, no one bothered. Well, the other teams eventually realized there's no point in covering this guy. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm open Yeah. and somebody passed me the ball cause I was wide open. Yeah. And and I had them like, all right, well, who am I passing it to? Who am I passing it to? And right. they're like, take the shot. So I was like, all right. So I take the shot. And I turn to run to play defense because that's what happens when I, I ever attempt a shot because yeah. it usually bounces off. And then, you know, uh, right. it's like I, yeah. you know, I turn to run to play defense. I hear a I hear a. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and then I, I'm like, what? And I turn and I see the uh, the scoreboard flip. Yeah. I'm like, I got it in. Oh, my God. Oh my I was gosh. I was on Did you do a little dance. I, I, no, no, no. no, no. And by the way, dance. he's doing the little gopher dance from <laughs> Caddyshack. No, I, I did not do that. Uh, but I did like probably like um, skip and jump back <laughs> to yeah. the other end. I was like, yeah, do -do, do -do, do -do. I was like, I, uh, so I made one basket and I didn't see it. Yeah. Wow. See if there's that one of a dad had been up in the audience with three iPads. That's right. That whole thing. Right. Yeah. See? So. Today's so much better. It is. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bob, should we get to today's comic? We should. All we right. Should. So we did promise uh, of our 2024 bucket list that we would be getting to Captain America annuals. And here we are. Annual number four uh, comes out in 1977. And the creators on this particular one, I already, already kind of, Gave it away as far as uh, Jack Kirby and his involvement on this one. But um, yeah, he was the writer, penciler, and editor. Uh, the inkers, um, we do have John Tartag as one of the inkers. And then um, since it's a large book, John Verporten is also inkers. Colorist, George Rosos. Letterer, Jim Novak. Now, this had a, a cover date of November 1977, but it actually hit the stands in May, late May, May 24th, 1977. Interesting enough, this is the second annual Jack Kirby did. He did annual three, uh, and then this one, uh, obviously a year later. And 
um, this is around, you know, this, this is during the same time that he is on the Captain America book. So mm -hmm. this particular annual, like I said, hit the stands in May of 77, um, which was the same time as Captain America 212. Uh, so Kirby only went up to on his second stint with with Cap or third or fourth. Depends how you look at it. But um, he only went up to 214. 214 was his last one, which was in July of 77. Um, so this is the end of of Kirby's run on on um with the character captain america after this he ends up going to uh at least for marvel i should say so after this he does a a really nice run on you know, black panther and uh devil dinosaur and uh machine man so so those are the three books that he's working on in late 77 and all the way through 78 uh, and then, you know, DC work and so on. But, um, so yeah, we, we, uh, we're, we're kind of excited to, to get back to Kirby. It's been a while since we did a Kirby, Bob. It has, I mean, it ha has it been since, certainly since a tales of suspense, probably how long has it been? Oh, well, maybe we did the, uh, the, um, the, the, yeah, you know, the one with the lady and the, 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 the swine and, and that whole thing. Yeah, well, that was a while yeah. ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah. 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 So it's uh, it's good to get back to the king. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Bob, do you want to take the listeners through the cover? Well, I'll do my best, Rick. It's a complicated cover. I mean, there's a lot going on here. There's really uh, is. obviously Cap is, is is front and center, and we see uh, what appears to be a number of mutants around him. Uh, one of them. Um, I don't know if that's Slither or who that is, but he's he's got Slither, his, yeah. Yeah, he's got his uh his limbs wrapped around Cap's upper torso. And then we've got uh we've got a couple of mutants behind him and one in the foreground and 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 of course my favorite peeper. Mm-hmm. You know, not the same one from Saturday Night Live, not Chris Catan from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Some similarities uh, between okay. that Mr. Peeper and Peeper. You know, if there's flames going on, there's Kirby mm. Crackle in the background. Uh, and then we see above it all the looming head of Magneto. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cover that draws you in and, and like that makes you ask what the heck is going on here and how did Cap get in this pickle? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I, and, and let's kind of get into the rest besides the art, right? So you have the Captain America red, white, and blue logo. Um, and at the top, it says king size annual and then there's a little banner that goes across the top left corner all new exclamation point now the reason they're doing the all new is mm -hmm. that a lot of these annuals were reprints yeah, prior one to and this. two right yeah, yeah one and two were reprints and and yeah. and that was the same case for a lot of marvel books right um but the and keep in mind, you know, they weren't just trying to appeal to Captain America readers here. They wanted to get other Marvel readers as well, especially X-Men readers, um, because, uh, you know, people knew that, you know, these are self-contained stories, typically, uh, at least back then. And, you know, they could just get the get the issue and read it. So, you know, uh, they want to make sure everybody knows Yeah, the, this is all new material. And then it says double length action from Jack King Kirby. Got to tell you, if uh, back in 1977, 
if that 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 could have been a sticker put on an eight uh like a <laughs> a lot of so, different things yeah, yeah right yeah. a little bound jig bound bound yeah uh and this is at the mercy of magneto and his all new brotherhood of evil mutants so there you go now interestingly enough bob uh you know everybody knows magneto yeah right he he is one of the probably top villains in the marvel universe right he's up there with dr doom and red skull as far as everybody kind of knowing who he is and the uh the infamy and so on um interestingly enough he th this is this came out as i mentioned in 1977 um the last four years he only appeared in four issues he appeared in just prior to this, uh, well, not just, but probably like six months prior. Um, he appeared in X Men 103 and 104, and then, and that was um, that was after the all new X Men came out, right? So you you and there's that famous 104 is that famous cover where Magneto's there, and the the new X Men are attacking him, very reminiscent to you know prior. Um, and then he was in the Defenders issues fifteen and sixteen back in nineteen seventy four. So he 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 wasn't overused by any shape, right, you know, or or manner because, um, so it wasn't like oh we want to boost sales let's put a X Men villain here. No, Kirby particularly picked him, and I, I I'm curious to what that reason was. Huh. Well, All we're right. gonna find out. Indeed. So uh, we're going to get to open up to the opening splash page. Uh, you know, I'm going to read this, the, the little top, right? We don't always do this, but um, it is the 1977 version. So I want to read this. 1941, the world at war. And in a full security laboratory, frail Steve Rogers became Captain America, the American super soldier. For four thrilling years, he struck back at the Axis' treacherous attack until a freak stroke of fate threw him into suspended animation to awaken in the mid-1960s, a man 20 years out of his time. Since that day, Captain America has sought his destiny in this brave new world. Stanley presents Captain America. Hmm. That's a very dated. Uh, it really is. Even yeah. by seventy-seven, it's it's dated. Yeah. Right. Um, no. So interesting. Power for good or evil affects the destiny of all humanity. It is the battle for this power that plunges our most famous superhero into a bizarre and deadly situation, which cannot be surpassed for sheer tension, terror, and transhuman turmoil. Hell's that for alliteration. <laughs> Above all, this is a tale of mutants. Then, and add the greed of the villainous Magneto, and you've got the ingredients for... The Great Mutant Massacre. And what are we seeing here, Bob? It's a cap being projected backwards uh, with his eyes closed like he's uh, in pain and he's flying backwards. And in the background, we see Magneto with his hands up with some rays coming at him. And uh, Magneto says, greetings, Captain America. Magneto, you 
Ugh. Now that pulls you in, right? That really does. Yeah. And if that doesn't, what's going on here? When I turn the page, Bob, it is a oh, double page splash. Please take our listeners into what this gigantic image is. Well, you know, it's got Magneto is on the right side and Cap is on the left. And you see, I mean, there's things flying all around this room. There's TV sets and there's a, 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 a phonograph turntable. There's lamps. There's there's uh, nightstands and books. Everything is whizzing around the room. And uh, it appears like a big piece of furniture, maybe a, a heavy table of some sort, has just been hurled at Cap. And he is punching his way through it toward Magneto. Uh, and so th and there's a lot going on here. You get the sense that Magneto is throwing everything, including the kitchen sink cap. Is there a kitchen sink in here? I didn't, I didn't notice that. No, I, that was, I was just a figure of speech. I thought you said literally the kitchen sink. Well, you know. Then you should have been figuratively the kitchen sink. Well, I didn't want to say Bob, that, if you can't you know. get to the description, like, how can I trust you? How can our listeners be like, all right, I, I'm not actually following along. I bet but, if you look but carefully. But he said a kitchen sink. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I go to, do you like Panera? Uh, I, yeah, I, they have a, I like their tomato soup. Oh uh, yeah. They got good tomato soup. Yeah. I, you know, the yeah. French onion soup is pretty good too. I like the Greek salad. I don't do um, onions. But they have, I, I sometimes go there. And uh, I like to get the green goddess uh, sandwich and I'll, uh -huh. I'll get that for lunch, you know, with a charged iced tea, you know, cause that stuff will kill you, but I like it. And, uh, and I always <laughs> like to, I like, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to get my son a cookie and I get a kitchen sink cookie. I never heard of it. I never heard of the yeah. kitchen sink cookie. It's the kitchen sink cookie. It's got everything in it that you want in a cookie. No kitchen sink, mind you, but it's got everything in that. So maybe I just had the cookie on my mind. Okay. A, a bit of a stretch, but okay. <laughs> Product placement for uh, Panera. I hope yeah. you guys are listening. <laughs> this episode brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so we see at the top left corner, a one ad. Unique and talented mutant seeks home environment and care from concerned and sensitive persons or agencies equipped to help. An interview for interested parties can be obtained at the address listed below. Hmm. hmm. All right. Wow. In That's answer to want. this unusual newspaper clipping, Captain America suddenly finds himself the center of an unexpected flurry of action. A surprise attack doesn't always work, Magneto. I'm steamed up enough to break through this mag magnetized junk and twist that neck of yours. Ooh. That's a little harsh by Cap. I'm willing to talk, superhero. I do not wish to waste my power on one such as you. All right, we turn the page. So you read the same ad. I should have known you'd show up. And who is more justified? If there is a mutant here, he is one of my kind. He will find my counsel more to his liking than the concerns of a common human. He'll land in jail if he takes your advice. In fact, I'm anxious to learn what you have in mind. Ha <laughs> ha! How do you heroes love to meddle in the affair of others? In your case, I'd call it crime prevention. I don't know what you're up to, Magneto, but you can count on me trying to stop it. Naturally. What are enemies for? I warn you against using any reckless action. 
My magnetic powers can be used with more damaging force than I've demonstrated. Our next encounter may be your last. I've faced you before. I'm well aware of what you can do. When was that, Bob? Oh, that was back in Avengers 110 through 111, Rick. Yes, and uh, those came out uh, actually almost to the date uh, four years prior in 1973. At that moment, hey, what's going on? Uh, what, what, what? Who is this guy, Bob? I, I don't know, but he's, he's, he's picking his teeth with a toothpick and he just happened to walk through the door. Never mind that. Are you Joe Keegan? Did you place the ad in today's newspaper? Max would rather fight than talk. And he's kind of looking at all the rubble. Answer the question. Is there really a mutant living here? Are you seeking a proper home environment for him? Sure. It's no gag. Although I did figure to, to get more laughers than takers. Do you know what it's like to live with a mutant? I'm an ordinary guy. With an ordinary job. I, I, I can't look after someone who needs scientific care. Look, I found him while I was driving my truck on the highway. He was with a a friend, going nowhere. So I took them to my place. But what makes you think that your pickup is a mutant? Hey, he can't be anything else. Where is this unusual person? There is a meaningful pause, then a gasp of wonder. As Joe Keegan opens his wristwatch. I keep him here. He's safe and comfortable and can breathe through the holes in the watch face. Bob, what the heck are we looking at? Oh, my gosh. So he flips open the, the face of his watch. And there is a component, like a locket, right? Inside mm -hmm. the body of the watch. And there is a tiny orange-yellow man uh -huh. with blue briefs. Uh, lying prone in the uh, in the watch. You left out the blue Buccaneer boots. Oh, I, I'm sorry. My eye. <laughs> I got to put on my reading spectacles, Rick. Those are some <laughs> tiny Buccaneer boots. There really is. <laughs> what? I call him Mr. One. He doesn't talk, but he can think right at you and tell you what he wants. Why, he's one of the most incredible sights I've ever seen. There are insects, which are larger than he is. A and if Mr. One has the highly developed mental powers that you claim, he must be some sort of mutant. His size, it's perfect. Just perfect for my purposes. The eyes of Magneto blaze with canny deliberation. Interesting. I don't hear the word canny too often. I've heard the word uncanny, That's right? True. When talking yeah. about the X-Men. One of the Avengers, yeah. 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 I guess it was a very 70s word. Hmm. Or 60s and 70s, you think? I yeah. Don't we, don't, we don't talk about canny anymore. Yeah, nobody's canny anymore, right? Uh-uh. Yeah. Suddenly, his hand shoots out, unleashing a powerful attracting force. Bob, is that how you, is that how you worked with Casey? That's it. That's how it worked, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that that and ice cream <laughs> with booze. <laughs> there are two weaknesses. Yes. <laughs> Look out! He can magnetically yank that watch from your wrist. He he's done it. <laughs> he's mine now, mine. And uh, okay, two things going on in this panel. 
Magneto uh, looks pretty crazed. He uh, a little maniacal, if you ask me. Um, and by the way, you didn't describe what Magneto was wearing, Bob. Did you? Do you want to maybe do that? Well, I mean, it's his, it's his traditional garb, right? He, it's sort of like a red bodysuit, but it's accentu accentuated with with purple. So he's got purple boots and and purple gloves. Or what do they call them gauntlets? What's the difference between a glove and a gauntlet? I guess I always thought a gauntlet was was uh was like more thick, like a maybe, you know yeah. like protective, or is a glove could be any anything yeah. over your hand. I do. I think maybe gauntlets cover the wrist and forearm as well. Sure. Um, so anyway, he's, he's, he's got that going on. Of course, he's got uh purple, purple, like briefs for the purple belt. Yeah, Cause you got to wear your briefs on the outside of your pants. You do. You do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, purple Cape and, uh, around his neck, of course, there's looks to be some sort of purplish armor, uh, over the, the tops of his shoulders and the front of his, uh, front of his neck. And then he's got his, you know, his quintessential Magneto helmet, which, uh, looks a lot like a Spartan. Uh, helmet if you're familiar with like Sparta! Uh, Sparta! yeah that that sort of look and of course it's red and trimmed in purple <clears throat> as well yeah and and of course it's got the little uh horns on the little top horns. too yeah he's a little yeah. horny yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. you're so horny <laughs> <laughs> all right so so there we go and he's like hunched over and he's got this maniacal look on his hand and he's holding the wristwatch and he's laughing. He's mine now, mine, ha, ha, ha. But coming up behind him, Bob, and Magneto's not a short guy. I think he's on the taller side, right? Um, yeah. There's this big creature, all gray, except uh, for two. Uh, he must be horny, too, because he's got two little yellow horns coming out of his forehead. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he almost looks like a like one of those gray monoliths. Right, I, I I don't know. Um, monolith? No, 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 no. Is that not the, not the right word? What was no. the um the 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 Jewish boogeyman? Uh, oh, oh. Uh, I thought it started with an M, but it uh, looks like one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, because he's just he's all right. gray, and he and he's very plain looking. No, you know, really. Uh, he just and he's just a large lumbering, big yeah. gigantic thing. Yeah, with a big head. Yes, and two little yellow horns. Yeah. So he's coming up behind Magneto, and then next panel, he's got his big gigantic uh, hands wrapped around Magneto's uh, helmet, and he's crunching it. Before Magneto can react, his helmet is suddenly caught in the crushing vice of great steel-like hands. Crunch! For a jerk, I should have warned him about Mr. Two. He flips out when Mr. One is in danger. Oh! <laughs> Mr. Two? Who is he? You didn't tell us. Yes, I did. He's the friend I mentioned. He was holding Mr. One in his palm when I met them. I'll take him back now. And he grabs the wristwatch out of Magneto's hand. When Mr. One is in safe hands, Magneto is hurled with terrible force through the wall of the room. Only his magnetic powers save the master mutant from serious injury during his fall. And it makes a loud noise. Bam! Soon after, the tricky swine 
his monstrous confederate, was lurking in the back room, ready to strike. You'll all pay dearly for this. Magneto will not be defied or defeated. I'll be back for Mr. One. He is destined for work in the service of Homo Superior. And he's shaking his hand at the, at the sky like an angry old man. <laughs> With a very, very crunched helmet around his yeah, face. Yeah, he's going to need a new helmet. Yeah. Magneto seeks out his hidden magna craft and speeds out of sight. That inflated megalomaniac fell prey to his own in eagerness. Still, if he returns, we better be long gone. Well, it seems that I've inherited the job of straightening out this situation. I advise you to accept my help. You've got Joe Keegan's vote. In fact, I was hoping that a sincere super type like you would show up. You could place these two in the, in the care of responsible people. Will you do that? I can, Joe, and I shall. A week later, Steve Rogers visits the S.H.I.E.L.D. Department of Medical Research. Now, what's he uh, dressed like this time? He's got a wonderful uh, blue two-piece suit on with a red tie, and he's got his uh, his 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 hat. Is it? It's not a fedora, is it? Is that a fedora? Yeah, it's a fedora. Yeah, a fedora. Close enough. Uh, and it looks like he's he maybe is he carrying? A, no, I guess he's not carrying his attaché case uh, in his left hand, but he's 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 in a civilian garb, but he's in business attire. Yes. And uh, one of the scientists, uh, and, and and then let's describe this this room, right? Because yeah. there there are a whole bunch of scientists who are wearing masks, and um, you know, uh, doctors, scientists coats with ties in the back, and they have protective gloves on. They have protective, um, like you know, all encompassing mask hood that covers their entire face and and head and ears and everything. Um, because, you know, it's a very, uh, they want to make sure, I guess, a protective environment, right? And here comes Steve Rogers, all casual, like, just walking in. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but there's a lot of uh, zany Kirby-like yeah, equipment. It is a Kirby lab. Yeah. All you got to say. Come in, Mother Hen. Your two chicks are doing fine. I'm glad, Doc. They have the potential for developing into a problem. It's Mr. Two I worry about. If that giant were to grow difficult, he could wreck this place. And then the doc pulls down his mask so you can see his face. It's strange that you should mention it. His behavior seems to depend on the well-being of Mr. One. Let's go into my office and review their progress. Yes, I'd like to see their file, Dr. Hasley. Somehow I continue to feel like a concerned relative. Inside the doctor's office, Steve receives access to all pertinent information. As you can see, both are in good physical condition. Hmm. Odd, Mr. One can't talk or use his limbs, yet he exhibits no evidence of physical or mental disability. He's as sound as we are. True, but he's never known the need to fetch and carry. You see, all that is done for him. Steve is then taken to an adjoining room where... What do we see, Bob? We, we see what appears to be some sort of high-tech, Kirby-esque, crib-like device uh, surrounded by all kinds of mechanical arms and other implements. Uh, and and, and in, that, in that device, in that crib-like device, uh, is Mr. One. Mm hmm. It is very Kirby-like. 
We believe that Mr. One controls Mr. Two by mental command and relies upon him for any task involving physical labor. One thinks for the other, and one works for the other. It's a symbiotic relationship. Thus, they both survive. I assume that this is the environmental system you built for Mr. One. It seems to supply everything. Sunlight, fresh air, proper nutrition, the whole schmear. The whole schmear, Bob? The whole schmear, my friend. That was a 70s, right? <laughs> I, still I haven't 70s. heard that since uh, Seinfeld went off the air. Yeah. yeah. I, I Was that also... No, no, I, I'm thinking of uh, for Laverne and Shirley the the theme song was Shamil Shamazel, Corporation. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. All right. And then we uh, we looks down into the, the the crib that you mentioned, and there's a glass that is over top of where Mister One is laying. This glass case magnifies him for study, eh? For that and communication, Steve. He's awake. You could talk to him if you'd like. Use this microphone. Amazing. But how is he able to reply? What? There are words forming on his screen. And what do the words say, Bob? Says, I don't want visitors. I need recreation. I want to get out of here. Electronic brainwaves are operating units in a hidden computer. He's beginning to show signs of unrest, like his chum behind that window. Now, I find this interesting that the guy says the brainwaves are operating units in a hidden computer. Emphasis on the word hidden. Now, why would he have to say that? Well, that's because Jack Kirby didn't draw a gigantic computer because back then they were all gigantic and could take up the room. That's a good point, Rick. Certainly by uh, you know 1977, they were starting to get smaller, but they were still super big units uh, yeah. required for computing. So he didn't draw one, so he's saying it's hidden. I thought that was uh, just a little clever way to, mm -hmm. to get around that. And uh, what's behind that window, Bob? But we hear some, some noise. Apparently, Mr. Two is behind that glass window. Bam, bam! Listen to that. A look beyond the window reveals an unnerving sight. Mr. Two is in a state of mounting agitation. His flourishings lie broken as he searches for new objects upon which to vent his anger. I think I read that statement wrong because if you noticed, Jack... Well, I guess it was Jack. I mean, I don't know what was in the script or if this was the letterer. But the first sentence had one exclamation point. The second one had two. The last one had three. So it was, right. I don't know if it was supposed yeah. to like, you know, be more and more and more. But uh, anyway. Yeah. This is something new. He, he's never done this before. You can't keep me here forever. I want to get out. I want to get out. Doc, I believe you've forgotten that our friends are not lab animals. They probably need a change of surroundings. And it's a big, giant splash page, Bob. Just one big panel on the page. What are we looking at here? Well, it's a it's it's very large, Mister Two, as you described him earlier, and all his his gray goodness. But he's got on uh, a purple 
um, outfit of some sort that looks, you know, very like it was like torn to shreds, but it's covering his midsection and his torso, but he has completely destroyed the interior of this room. There are, there's, mm. there's wood from tables and furniture that is just crashed up. There's mattresses on the ground. There looks to be all sorts of things torn about and strewn about the room. Indeed. And, you know, I, I, I just recalled uh, the, the Jewish monster that I was thinking of was a, was a golem. Gollum. There you go. Right. Right. He kind of resembles yeah. a golem, I think. Yeah. And to me anyway. But we can't release him. Not until what? And what happens, Bob? Crash! Duck, look out. He's breaking free. How do we handle him now? Well, that hand just seemed to, like three times the size of what it was before. It's certainly he's getting bigger, it appears. Uh yeah. How do we handle him now? He's strong enough to bend this place around our ears. Don't be deceived. In, in one respect, he's a helpless as Mr. One. Hang on to him. I, I'll, I'll take care of this. His brain is subject to electrical overload. A severe shock won't injure him, but it will put him out of action. We need a small demonstration, Doc, right now. At that moment, an electric unit within the giant's chamber discharges its power... <laughs> And his whole head glows yellow and falls back. Phew. He capsized like a stricken whaleboat. Easy, Steve. It's fortunate you were here to lend a strong hand. Strange. It's always the same. Mr. One feels the frustration, and Mr. Two reacts. Two people expressing a single thought. Yes. You hit upon the most interesting facet of these subjects— I must initiate a more intense study. Hold it, Doc. You're doing it again. I must remind you that they're more than mere subjects. You're right, of course. The study can wait. We can plan some form of recreation for them, but it will involve serious risks. There's one thing we can rely on. They both trust Captain America. Meanwhile, on a large country estate in a remote suburban area. And we see a... Fist pounding a table. Blast Captain America. Blast the meddling fool. If not for his interference, I'd have had that microbe mutant crawling into this little circular entrance of this miniature spaceship. He would ferret out its treasures for me. Suddenly, and he's, he's, what, yeah, he's described the, what he's holding, Bob. Well, it looks, uh, I, <laughs> It's it's a Kirby thing, you know. It looks like it looks like you ever see those like steel covers that go on platters of food, you know, all yeah, shiny yeah, sure. and chrome. Yeah, yeah, it looks kind of like one of those, but it's got some wings on it, and maybe a mm -hmm. couple uh, fins on it, and mm -hmm. uh, and a ridge around the outside of it, and, and it's about that size. And he's holding it in his hands, you know. So clearly, a miniature spaceship from some tiny miniature world. It looks like it could be related to the uh, the Legion of Doom headquarters. Remember that? Mm, I don't know. But... You never watched that cartoon? It was a challenge of the Super Friends where. It okay, was, yeah. Yeah, it was like the Legion of Doom versus the. Yeah. This, yeah, right. And they yeah. had that little base in the swamp that looked like yeah. a Darth Vader helmet type of thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it right. looks like it could yeah. be related. Yeah. All right, it does have something like that. Yeah. Hi, Chief. I got good news. People, when will you learn to knock before entering this room? 
If you must know, my every effort to get at the interior of this craft has failed. With the scientific secrets of an alien civilization within my grasp, I remain empty-handed. Cheer up, McNeeto. Destiny is about to break that in this impasse. All right. Uh, you want to? Since you like Peeper so much, Bob, you want to describe him? Yeah, he. Um, I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, think who he, he. He's got a little bit of his. Use your it, words, Bob. Yeah, is it Peter Lore? Was it he's the actor? I'm trying to. You know, he he Peter has Lore. a certain Marty Feldman look to sure. his eyes, but I, or at least also, one of them. Yeah. Oh, or, and <laughs> a little. Yeah, and then. Um, like Peter Lorre, I think, was a big actor in the 30s and, and, and 40s, early 50s, mm -hmm. often played a, a villain. I don't know. There's something about him that, that it's on the same side, but he's he's got a big, round, bowling ball-like head with gigantic mm -hmm. eyes with tiny pupils. Yeah, hence, hence the name Peepers. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's wearing, you know, an orange jumpsuit on the top and, and baby blue on the bottom with blue gloves. And he's, he's relatively uh, small statured. Yes. Uh, sort of stocky. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he, he's he's sort of equally creepy, but uh, also he's got a little bit of a, a, I don't know, a goofy look to him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's somewhere like in that four foot something range, seems like. Small guy. Yeah. I, I saw Captain America. I saw him entering a building, which I'm certain is the hiding place of that, that little mutant. It's only 60 miles away. I didn't miss a detail. Your all-encompassing vision is flawless. It's time to alert those in the ready room. And soon we go into the ready room, which is a whole bunch of other new characters, ones that we saw on the cover. Attention, mutants. It's the chief. Now that is Slither. What's Slither look like? Well, he's uh, he's got a, a lizard-like head and uh -huh. an, an elongated uh, elongated limbs, a regular sized torso, I think, but his 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 limbs are all elongated. So he has a hunched-over appearance, like a lizard, but with the ability to walk about on two legs uh, with really long arms. What's the word, Magneto? Do we go now? That is that was that shocker. I think it's. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. What's Shocker look like? Yeah. So uh, again, a, a regular sized guy, but a little bit beefy, muscular. But the mm -hmm. strange thing about him is that his his feet and his uh, his hands have two prongs each. Uh, you know, um, like a curved. Like, like pincers. Pinchers, but yeah, but I don't think that they pinch, do they? Or do they just emit shocking? Um, like a, like a like a cattle prod sort of device. Uh -huh. Yeah. we for action. A burner. Now that is lifter. How would you describe lifter? Now lifter looks like a power lifter. He is uh, quite mm -hmm. tall and very muscular, mm -hmm. uh, with big broad shoulders, big biceps, big quads. He's a, he's a strong dude. Yeah. He uh he looks like he could be on dark sides. Uh, group of you know apocalypse men or something lifter you're playing my song now who's burner what's he look like well burner uh he he regular sized guy purple pants got a yellow top uh but his face and his hair 
looks very much like Douglas Fairbanks Jr. If you're familiar with those old swashbuckling movies, Errol so, Flynn. Uh, well, Errol Flynn too. Yeah, yeah, he's got an Errol Flynn look to him. So Douglas Fairbanks Jr., Errol Flynn, that's sort of like 1930s, that early 1940s leading man uh, mm -hmm. sort of look to him. Fellow mutants, it's time once again to test our teamwork. This mission is an evangelistic one. You shall aid in gaining a new recruit. In short, it's Operation Grab. All right, so we turn the page, and we see uh, Cap and number two uh, jogging through the park. The thoughts of Captain America are far from intrigue and strife. He is absorbed with the test of his own. A little outdoor jogging seems to improve Mr. Two's disposition. Good. This feels good. He's picking up speed. It's hard to believe that he could get such fantastic mileage from that huge body. I like this place. I like jogging here. Great day. I'll blow a lung trying to keep pace with him. He's already yards ahead of me, and I can't close the gap. Cap's heart leaps with anxiety as his charge vanishes down the road. Can it be part of a planned escape? The superhero bursts forth in pursuit. He mustn't get away. Got to catch him. Cap taxes his strength to its limits. He fairly flies across the green landscape until... There he is. He's merely stopped to admire those pastoral surroundings. Well, wonders never cease. That monster is a nature lover. I owe him an apology for my misgivings. Cap looks a little tired as, he, as he's resting on a, on a stump... <laughs> looks like I do when I go running. Yeah. This is pretty, little bird. Suddenly, without warnings, the grasses erupt into a circle of searing flame. Fire! We're, we're trapped! This can't be possible. There was no sign of it a moment ago. The flames haven't spread too far. Keep a steady nerve, Mr. Two, and follow me. I I'll follow you. An unseen witness observes his handiwork with keen interest. And it's Burner. Ha ha ha, our two pigeons have bolted through the fire without getting singed. But their ordeal isn't over yet. Inducing combustion is a rare talent, even for a mutant like myself. I'll slow them down with another demonstration. Then once again, Cap sees an explosion in front of him. Shades of Lucifer. Cap has little time to recover. He suddenly finds himself in a second trap. And wrapping around Captain America is Slither. Greetings, Captain America. Slither is my name. And strangling is my game. When you choose to play with mutants, Captain, you forget that we are infinite in variety. And intent. Oh, I can't breathe. I, I can't breathe. I always wondered about that, Bob. If you really technically can't breathe, can you speak? Apparently uh, not. At least not for long. Mm. There was a Kamina. I can't remember his name. And, uh, you know, he he was had an older brother. And you could probably relate to this. I know I can. 
And, uh, you know, crap travels downstream, right? So the youngest always seems to get, uh, the you know, being pummeled or nuggied or whatever. And so this comedian said whenever his older brother was, like, picking on him, all he would do is yell, I can't breathe. And that got his mom's <laughs> attention real fast. <laughs> and she'd be like, you leave him alone. <laughs> That's great. Magneto's evil team falls busily to its task. Mr. Two is faced by a huge flying boulder. Here's a gift from the lifter. And he is. He's throwing a huge boulder at at number two, and it makes a loud noise when it hits him, Bob. Uh first of all, Bob. Uh first of all, Rick, that's that's Mr. Two to you. What I say. Number two. <laughs> uh, but in any case the boulder goes bam yeah that boulder didn't make a dent in you but never fear i'm not known for leaving a job unfinished where did he get a boulder from bob maybe maybe he brought it with him okay yeah the name is lifter i can lift you and the Eiffel Tower, and break you both in two. You may do the first, but you'll never get the chance to do the second. And he, um, Mr. Two, uh, puts a, like a, some sort of wrestling hold around the head of Lifter, and it, and it crunches him. Mr. Two's massive strength quickly disables his attacker, but suddenly... Uh-oh, we see the pincers coming of uh, the shocker. Have you ever gotten the shocker, Bob? Have I ever gotten the shocker? Yeah. Like a cattle prod? <laughs> no, but uh, but I do. Uh, we have a family tradition. You should Google it. Shocker? <laughs> oh, maybe I will later. Yeah, after, <laughs> after a couple drinks. Uh, so my uh, my wife's grandfather or great-grandfather i guess used to work for the electric company in ohio mm -hmm. and they had a box that was used to test circuits and so my father-in-law has that box now it's like a wooden box mm -hmm. it certainly was built in the 1910s 1920s and it has a hand crank on it uh -huh. and two electrodes and it used to used to put them on different ends of the circuit and you crank it to make sure that the circuit was now they just hold them while another person cranks the, mm -hmm. you know, and see how long you can hold on while it's shocking you. <laughs> or they like to like daisy chain people. This is what we did at Christmas. Oh Day. my God. Yeah. There's so many people you can daisy chain or like, you know, have one person hold it in one hand, one person, and then you kiss the second person and oh see much God. of a spot. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, so. I'm going to have to change the rating on this particular episode to mature. <laughs> talking about daisy chains and kissing and shockers and yeah cranking yeah. and it's a wild and crazy show apparently if you think you won mister there's a shock coming to you i'll get to you in a minute because he just got shocked bad that panel is just one screaming face of Mr. Two. And then Lifter comes up 
Have you noticed their names all end with a er? Well, you're right. They do. Slither. Right. Lifter, you got burner, burner, slither, peeper, mm -hmm. lifter, shocker. Yeah. Well, they are it, as described. Uh, it's true. They are they, named what they do. Was Jack Kirby burning on fumes here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, you need an annual? I'll give you an annual. You know, but you know, I like Slither, right? Slither just, it's Slither. It's not like, you know, Black Mamba, you know, Copperback, you know, he's just, he's just very like, Copperback? Whatever, you know, Copperhead, whatever the <laughs> damn, like, you know, the whole damn Serpent Society. He just names them what they do. Uh huh. Right? Simple. Yeah. He's burns. Simple man. He peeps, he lifts, <laughs> and he shocks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So lifter comes up. Your electrotox flattened him out, shocker. He's as powerful as a battleship, but he couldn't take your current. I gave him all I had. He'll stay down. Mr. Two makes feeble attempts to move, then his mammoth bulk grows slack. His eyes seem to close in sleep. The sight of a helpless opponent does not deter Lifter's anger. The mountainous mutant increases his own gravity. His knotted fist now weighs as much as a steel crane. I'll fix him permanently. One blow will crush him to a pulp. Hold it. Something's up. What is it, Slither? Playtime's over. This place is crawling with sealed men. They've been here all this time, keeping out of sight until we hit their little pets. I almost nailed Captain America. A miss doesn't count. Let's split. Where's the van? Right here. Pile in, slow pokes. Burners got it juiced up and ready to go. I'd like to tangle with these shield dudes, but there's all kinds of firing going on, Bob. There is, Rick. Bam! Bam, 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 bam! Wham, Stow wham. it! You know Magneto's orders. We came to start a hassle, not to test our powers against an entire task force. Get this off the ground, burner! And uh, those shield agents have some very Kirby-esque hand, hand pistols there. They do. They're very futuristic, futuristic, but they appear to still fire projectiles. Mm -hmm. That van is a hovercraft, and it's taking off like a bullet. Stop firing! They're out of range! Magneto's vehicle silently vanishes into the clouds. His evil mutants have struck with abortive swiftness and telling force. The bad guys took the round this round, Cap. Any ribs broken? No, but they're all badly bent. Thanks for scaring off that human boa constrictor. Let's see how Mr. Two is doing. Great day. Those mutants must have ganged up on him. I hope he was able to handle them. He doesn't look too well. He's gone into shock. Poor devil. He has no pulse. And his eyes. The pupils have disappeared into his head. Mr. Two has all the symptoms of a dead man. Yet somehow he sits upright. Alive. Mr. Two is a puzzle. Words fail the onlookers as Mr. Two sits firmly in his place, defying all the evidence that makes him a candidate for the morgue. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. What do you think, Cap? 
I think Mr. Two is neither dead nor alive. He simply isn't here. This body is momentarily unoccupied. Soon after, upon returning to S.H.I.E.L.D.'s research division, Cap finds, Welcome back to the Junkville. So Magneto was here, eh? He unhinged the survival system and took his captive. It, it was horrible. A total surprise. We were not prepared for such violent use of magnetic power. He literally tore this place apart. Clever. His mutant underlings staged in a diversionary attack to keep us busy while he accomplished his task. Mr. One is gone. I, I wonder how this will affect Mr. Two. Doc, once we've tracked this case history to its source, I think we'll undercover a genetic experiment which spawned a mutation with two bodies. I believe that Mr. One and Two are the same person. You're mad. And uh, he looks a little mad, right? Uh, and when I say mad, I don't mean angry. I mean a little, a little crazy. Because uh, there's a big zoom in on Cap's eyes, which are really widened and dilated. Meanwhile, at his secluded estate, Magneto marvels at the sight of his con con coveted catch. Say that? Three times fast. Incredible. Fantastic. I've got him at last. The smallest man in the world. I'd have attacked the Pentagon itself to get you, little chap. How perfect you are for the task I have in mind. A most extraordinary feat for so small a knot. He hasn't moved since I brought him here. Yet he seems well enough in limb and spirit. Can it be that he's contracted some sort of paralysis? Or is this some sly little maneuver to defy the will of Magneto? I warn you not, this trick won't work. There are simple ways to outwit sly deceivers. You'll move, not you'll move if you want to survive. <laughs> this is mere candle flame to me, but to you, it could be searing volcanic heat. Will you move, microbe, or risk incineration? Magneto, the others have returned from their mission. They want to make a full report on their collision with Captain America and that Goliath of a mutant. The fools can wait. Tell them to stand by until I'm ready to see them. Now, that's another time Peeper just kind of bursts into the room without, you know, being announced. Red Skull would not tolerate that. No, no absolutely not. Or the Red Skull. We've done enough of that, Magneto. We've served you well. Now what's in this for us? Yes, we pulled a diversion for you before, but we'll never learn what you stole. Oh, you mean that top-secret job? Magneto... Trus... Truculently. Truculently? Mm-hmm. All right, Bob, what's truculent? Truculent means, like, to be, like... like we're in a bad mood, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do this, but I'm not happy about it, and I'm mad at you for it. Oh, yeah. You sound like a man who's seen that many times. Like, like, sounds like you're quoting someone and that <laughs> says that to you <laughs> a lot. Could be. Yeah. Could be. This is what I seized. What? You risked our lives for that toy? We were shot at by every man at the Air Force base. 
For that, behold, you mental midgets, a spaceship from the stars. It's small, but it's real. An actual visitor from some distant galaxy. But it resists all efforts to penetrate its interior. Not even x-rays will enter its hull. That's why our little man is here, to do that very job. And we kind of zoom in on the face of number one, and he looks a little concerned, frightened even. Mr. One listens and is fully aware of the base nature of his captors. Further torment awaits him at their hands. The tiny features strain with intense concentration. The skin knits and tightens. The eyes begin to close as the mind leaves the body. For there is another form to flee to in time of danger, a larger, immensely stronger form. At that very moment, Mr. Two springs to life in the confinement of a titanium cell at S.H.I.E.L.D. See, there's that Magneto and Titanium man, Bob. Gods! Gods! I must get out! And he's pounding. The bam! 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 Boom! He's up again and ready to go. I hope this cell can hold him. Yeah, better come right down, Cap. Soon after. Come in, Cap. We sure could use you. It's happened. I expected it to happen. What on earth are you getting at? There's no Mr. One and Two, just a single mind which hops from brain to brain in two distinct bodies. You're right. Let me out. I can lead you to Magneto. I know where his hideout is located. I'll bet you do. Your other body's in that hideout now. But, but, this is unprecedented. A man who could be in two places at the same time? Let him out, guard. We've got somewhere to go. Thanks, friend. There's no time to lose. You see, if anything happens to my other form, I won't last long in this one. One cannot exist without the other. Great Scott, you are in danger. I'll order a squad to no squads, no platoons, or companies either. They would be warned by your approach. I must go alone. Be reasonable. I know how you feel, but even with your great strength, it would be suicide. It will be suicide if I don't go. All the power of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be useless against the might of Magneto. Surprise is my only hope. I'm still going with you. Sure, deal yourself in. If I should die, let it be in the company of my friend. If only I'd been able to reach Xavier last week, I'd feel a lot better about facing Magneto with the X-Men by my side. Now, that's an interesting comment. I, I'm fairly certain uh, during this time in 1977, the X-Men were still considered criminals. Mm -hmm. Right? Hmm. I mean, to to the to the general populace, I guess they have not so much to capture the Avengers. Yeah, I don't know, Rick. Never been an X-Men reader. I had my day. Did you? I, I, I had I read X-Men starting with 200. I want to say that was somewhere in the 80s. I can't remember. I probably read it for 15, 20 years. Hmm. And then I got bored with it. Oh. It just seemed like the same story over and over again. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
Meanwhile, in a high tower of Magneto's lair, saucer-eyed peepers scan the wide horizon. Huh. This is a great place to be while the others are probing that spaceship. Shouldn't Peeper be probing the spaceship? Like, isn't it like the one guy there who is like... Well, maybe he's only good for long distance. Maybe, what do they call that, nearsighted? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he can only see distances. He's farsighted, yes. Far, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, he can only see the like the, the distances. Um, okay. He can't see, you know, up close. He's like me with my cell phone. Where are my readers? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the mutant's powers of vision enjoys a range of hundreds of miles. Like a natural telescope, it can define detail denied to ordinary humans. That is why Cap and his companion are spotted on their way to stop Magneto's mutants. And sure enough, uh, Cap's flying uh, some sort of like shield mini helicarrier because it, it, it seems like it's got a helicopter top, but it's yeah, also it looks like a sp yeah, spaceship. Yeah. Peeper wastes no time in sounding his alarm. To your battle stations, everybody. It's trouble. Big trouble. They're only 10 miles away and closing in fast. Captain America, somehow he found us. We'll make sure he never reaches this room. Good. Now we can finish this fight. See to it. This moment is crucial. Look, Magneto's about to transfer that little guy to the spaceship. And very carefully, too. And he is. He's, he's got tweezers, and he's holding the little orange guy by his boxer briefs from behind mm -hmm. and just, like, giving him the ultimate wedgie. Yeah, that's going to be his new superhero name, Wedgie. <laughs> Suddenly, an alien signal, geared to admit a form of proper size and shape, triggers the airlock. You've done it. The door is wide open. And our inspector is about to board this ship. A jet copter pushed to maximum speed delivers trouble soon after. What do we see here? We we see uh, Mr. Two crashing through the wall of this uh, house. Yeah. Such a loud crash, too. Yeah. Crash! Now your answer to me, you dogs. This way, Puddinhead. We're waiting for you. Ha ha ha. The fools always fall for this trick. And he wraps around Mr. Two. Hold him, Snether. I'll do the rest. Forget it, mister. We don't appreciate your services. And Cap throws a shield right into the head of the shocker. It's It's Captain America! Stop him! Let's see if you could do the job. And the uh, and then the shield is ricocheting back into Cap's hands. We sure can, Flag Waver. In fact, Lifter and I are aching for a crack at you. And Cap punches Lifter in the, right in the solar plexus. <laughs> Full punch away, fool. I could take all you got. Lifter has increased his body density to astounding limits. He has the strength of a stone fortress. Cap is caught in the crunch of this terrible power. One mighty blow can kill him. His arm, hard as a rock, it's 
Stand by for oblivion, chum. It's too early to claim the stakes. This game's not over. And uh, Mr. Two takes Slither off of himself and throws him around Lifter, wrapping around him. Lifter, look out. And uh, with that, Mr. Two comes up and punches Lifter, sending Lifter and Slither sailing. Suddenly, a gesture from a burner's turns Cap's companion to a human son. Oh, no. Uh, all the, the entire body of Mr. Two is on fire. This heat, it, it won't stop me. I can take care of that. Let's turn it up a few degrees. Ha ha ha. If that doesn't melt you down, mutant, I'll stop you cold. <laughs> Cap comes running up behind him. Barbaric monster, you're a true disciple of Magneto. Burner, behind you. I warn you, Burner, take no comfort in your mutant power. If I don't get you, S.H.I.E.L.D. will finish this for me. Keep that arrogant tongue flapping while I conjure up some interesting ways of heating things up for you. Burner has used one word too many. Cap's lightning reflexes drive his fist with blurring speed into Burner's chin. Wham! And then, right cross. Cap rushes to Burner's victim. He doesn't seem harmed by the heat, and yet he misjudged his own body resistance. It withstood the heat by closing its pores. He suffocated internally. This way, superhero. The battle isn't over yet. It's Peeper. My eyes can generate more than telescopic vision. At maximum power, I can release lethal beams. Zing! Cap is caught by surprise. His shield barely saves him from the powerful impact of the beams. Zing! Ah, he means what he says. Ha ha ha, I'll drive you back, superhero. I'll push you through the far wall. Ha ha ha. And Cap is getting pushed back. Zing! <laughs> But once again, Cap's cobra-like speed helps him to survive. He seizes, Peeper. Gotcha, you murderous little mutant. Why, why you? Let me go. What are you up to? I'm innovating, Junior. Solving your transportation problem. And he opens up what looks like a, a trash chute. I hope the basement is cold and damp. Give my regards to the other rats when you hit the bottom. You pay for this. Meanwhile, in an adjoining room, Magneto works feverishly to ferret out the secrets of this tiny spaceship. My captive is now within the craft. I must gain visual contact. We're linked by a miniature TV cable. And it should... There. I've got his image. He's moving about. The demonstration with candle flame must have delivered my message. Now, do your job, microbe. Get me all the power of the stars. And then coming through the door, Cap, Cap kicking, kicking the door down. And it's splintering. Crash! 
Take a break, Magneto. You've got a visitor. What's this all about, Magneto? Why the ambushes? Why the battles, the injuries, and deaths? I have nothing to explain to you, save the manner in which I shall destroy you. Cap leaps at his prey like a tiger, but Magneto's invisible forces are already at work. You'll find the master more difficult than his lackeys. We'll see about that. A little spin should take the fight out of you. I want you at my mercy. And he is. He's taking Cap up in the air, and he's spinning him so fast, he's like a blur. Cap desperately reaches out from the magnetic whirlwind and grasps a wall fixture. Ugh, gotta hold on to it. Made it. I I'm out of that mad maelstrom. Too late, fool. That spin has done its work. When I'm ready, I shall slowly crush you into a small, compact human ball. I I'm not through yet. You're shaken to the core and hopeless to attack. I can play with your fears as I please. Witness. And what are we witnessing, Bob? Zing! Three, three like swords get pulled off the wall and hurled at Cap. And then? They stab into the ground around his head. Interesting. I, I thought he was sending the the blades to strike Cap, but instead they just went all around his head as to give a warning to toy with him? He's messing with him, Rick. Threats only draw Cap's anger. He strikes hard at Magneto, and he goes up and he kicks. Pow! You, you may be power incarnate, Magneto. You may be able to take on a world and win. But as long as I'm alive, I'll fight to stop you. Then you are a fool, human. You are you who are barely worth my notice. And then just then, the uh, the other four uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants come in. Oh, let us have them, Chief. We mutants revive quickly, superhero. You're ours now. This is the end of the line for you. Inside the alien ship, the micro-mutant feels the loss of his giant other self. It means that he only has moments to live. He cannot exist alone, and he seeks a way to bring vengeance down upon his killers. The alien destruct lever is not hard to find. The blast symbol is the same in any language. And what is the blast symbol, Bob? It appears to be a symbol of an explosion. Ah, that's nice. Magneto is the first to see the danger. Look, look. And what are we looking at? The, the little tiny uh, spaceship is beginning to glow very brightly. And Cap's like, what? What is that thing? It's glowing. It doesn't matter. Right now, it's nothing more than a detonating bomb. Farewell. And uh, somehow Magneto dissolves into the ground. I don't. I don't know what's going on here. Hey, no, you don't. This cap pursues Magneto down one of his many secret escape hatches. Oh, okay. The bomb explodes. Wahoo! For such a small bomb, it is a very powerful blast indeed. Cap lies stunned. 
but unharmed at the bottom of the shaft into which he has leapt. It's been a long drop, but a safe one. When Cap regains his senses, he realizes that the incident is over. The mutants, the house, everything above him is gone. There is no sign of Magneto, but Cap knows that somewhere he's alive and plotting another brand of mischief with which to plague Cap's dreams. And Cap walks down the underground tunnel. The end. Wow, Rick. All right, Bob. Uh, that was 34 pages of Jack Kirby's story. Initial thoughts. You know, that was a pretty good story. I mean, I, I thought it was good. I I I enjoyed the uh, the creativity of Mr. One and Mr. Two. Uh, as sort of, you know, an innocent pawn stuck between the forces of good and evil. And, and I like that idea of, uh, you know, occupying a single person occupying two bodies. That was very creative. And uh, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Let's talk, let's talk about that real quick, right? Yeah. Like two bodies, one person doing uh, at the same time, right? And uh, one is strictly about the mind. Well, like, why does he need to be in two bodies, right? Like if that mind can go back and forth why didn't you just stay in mr two which can move around and the other one yeah. is kind of helpless um would you want the ability to have two bodies in one mind huh would the other body have big boobs <laughs> no because I... you'd never leave the house i'd never leave the house <laughs> yeah i'd just be play with my boobs no i you know i i don't think so you know I, and i don't know I, they never really fully explained a little bit of a theory there i guess a hypothesis about like how this mutant was created you know the result of an experiment probably not something one would prefer but it was just you know the situation uh this guy these guys this one being stuck with so making the best of a, of a bad Situation. But can you see advantages to it? Like, is there any sure. way on, on earth that you would want to have two bodies, one mind? Yeah, I think it makes uh, it makes some sense, right? I mean, uh, you know, for this, for Mr. One and Mr. Two, uh, you sort of, I don't know, I'm like, maybe like Mr. Two, maybe that body had some limits about, you know, like, uh, endurance, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, could not continue to operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that sort of thing. And so it had to rest. And so while it was resting, you know, the mind was in another body that could still be active. I, I mean, I, I don't know. There are probably very few. It really wasn't fully explored. It's a shame that uh, poor Mr. 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 One exploded and Mr. Two uh, died because it would have been an interesting uh, thing to maybe explore further. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. Um... I think there's a major disadvantage of having two bodies in one mind, though, hmm. because, you know, it was very clear if one body goes, the other one dies. It's not like you have an extra one. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like if you if if I could see a major advantage, if you if one died, you just went into the other one. Yeah. Right. Like then. Hey. You know, you you could do more stuff. You could. uh you know, you wouldn't be as worried about things. You're like, oh, I got a backup plan. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like, you yeah. know, if something happens to this one, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm going to eat and drink whatever I want and, you know, and enjoy yeah. life and, and uh, take risks and things like that. I got a backup body. But in the fact that you don't, you know, in uh, that if one goes, the other one goes, that's a, I wouldn't want that in a million years because, you know, that's two bodies you got to worry about as opposed to, to, <laughs> to one. Well, that's true. That's true. But I mean, in, in Mr. One's case, if he was just stuck with his Mr. One body, you know, that certainly had a lot of limitations. So it did allow him to uh, to experience the world and do things that he would not otherwise have been able to do. I mean, uh, best case scenario is we just have a body like Cap. That's true. A single one. Mm -hmm. Rogers, right? Yeah. Uh, post post serum, of course. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I I'm telling you, the the pre serum's no fun. <laughs> No fun. <laughs> uh That's all right true. bob you get to go first Ooh. what is your favorite panel in this story all right well i'm gonna go with that first double page splash you suck i know it's so good though right i mean it is uh, while it does not actually have literally a kitchen sink flying around that i've yet been able to discern from this there's lots of other good stuff. i mean it's just such a dynamic uh, it's just such a dynamic splash, right? Mm -hmm. With everything whizzing through the air. There's a lot of things to like look and see in terms of detail. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a great, you know, fist punch, fist punch to uh, that flying piece of furniture. It's a yeah. great piece of art. It is pretty cool. It yeah. is pretty cool. What about yourself? Um, I, you know, I, I got to say too, and I, I know I've said this before on this show, but you know, it's been a while and, and so on. Back, back when uh, this was new, uh, in 1977, um, you know, I was just a kid. Now I know you were in the Marines by this point, but I, I, uh, I wasn't a big fan of Jack Kirby. Yeah. Um, I thought his, his art style was, was juvenile. You know, I thought it was very basic and plain and, and not realistic. And, you know, as far as the facial expressions and things like that. And, you know, because we're we're getting early George Perez, we're getting you know mm. early John Byrne. You know, we're getting, uh, you know, more. You know, we're getting Neil Adams, right? We're getting you know a lot more realistic type of of art, and this always seemed, I don't know, like mm. I could draw it, right? Mm. And um, you know, I I certainly, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate the mastery of of jack kirby um but uh in this stage in 1977 we're not seeing his best work and um it's uh it's 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 okay you know what i mean like yeah. um you know like some of the stuff that we covered before you know uh in the early cap or or tales of suspense you know like some of like we would get a lot more of these really cool double page splashes that you just you know, you, you went over, right? Like there have been, been that, and there have been like some fantastic equipment and, you know, all these different things. Um, we didn't get so much that here, uh, but it was, it was okay in, in my mind. Um, so if I'm going to go with a, a favorite panel that, you know, since you took that one, I'm going to go with page seven, panel one. And that is where Magneto's helmet is getting crunched. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, with the two big fists on either side or two 
hands, I should say, on either side of the helmet, crunching it. Um, I, you don't, you don't see anything like that, you know, yeah. normally. And uh, so it was a little, I, especially back in 1977. I'm sure it was very shocking to see this. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to go with that as my favorite panel. All right, that's cool. I think you make some fair credit. You know, one of the things I, I, I and I got to be honest here. I, you know. I, I was the same way about you when I first got into comics and started reading Cap and went back and started reading some of the old stuff, particularly this, the second run here. Well, the art was a lot different back in the forties, Bob. It, yeah. Uh, it, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like this, this second run, you know, that ended with 214. You're right. I mean, there were some things like uh, Kirby did great, but I, I just, I never liked like his, his, his faces. Yeah. Uh, and like, like Joe Keegan in this, this, in this particular story, it's just sort of very blocky and, and just, just jarring to look at. And uh, even Donna Marie, you know, from, from that oh, yeah. part, mm -hmm. you know, uh, she's maybe, a man, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, yeah, but, but you know, so much, so much of his other creativity outweighs those limitations I agree. And, and in retrospect, I agree. you know, definitely the King. So, yeah. So how about a t-shirt, Rick? What are you going to put on a slap on a t-shirt? I'm going to go page 28 in the, the very first panel. And that is when Cap's got that shield ricocheting back into his hand. And he's coming through the, the hole in the wall. And they say, it's Captain America. Stop him. And he's like, let's see if you can do the job. That's a cool panel to slap yeah. on a t-shirt, right? It is. It is a very cool panel. That's a good selection. I like that. Thanks. What are you putting on a t-shirt? Well, I'm going to go with page eight, the fourth panel. It's the one with Cap standing there. It's, it's kind of a tiny image of him, but he's standing there with his arms crossed and a shield in front of him. And he says, well, it seems that I've inherited the job of straightening out this situation. I advise <laughs> you to accept my help. Yeah. I just want that on a t-shirt because yeah. that's how I am in life. Yeah. 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 I advise <laughs> you to, to accept my help. I'm here to help. I advise you to accept my help. Yes. <laughs> all right what's going on uh what's going on in your time capsule well you know we talked about this in the beginning and you know you're right this this was the end of an era for for kirby you know at least as far as kirby and cap were concerned and so i'm thinking about the cover and i'm thinking about that kirby crackle uh in the background of the cover and uh you know we've seen a lot of imitations but nothing mm -hmm. beats the original kirby crackle that uh so populated his work in the 60s and, and 70s and so and i think it really when you see the kirby crackle you think 1970s 1960s uh and yeah that's that's a bygone era of the kirby crackle okay all right i like that and for you rick oh bob i'm gonna go with uh page 14 just page 14, the whole page, uh -huh. the whole because page. that is the first time we are seeing these, the new Brotherhood mm -hmm. of Evil Mutants. So it's the first time we're seeing uh, the front of Peeper and we're seeing uh, all the other guys, right? We're seeing uh, Burner and Slither, Lifter, Shocker. Uh, anyway, so it's the first time, first appearance. And so uh, I think that's, noteworthy and to put into the time capsule all right i like that hey rick can you do uh can you do the slither voice for me again oh i certainly can <laughs> i know have you, you ever watched have you ever I... watched the uh the thundermans no 
What you is know? that? So, you know, of course, my son's 14 and he doesn't watch this stuff anymore, but we used to watch on Nickelodeon. There was a couple of shows. Henry Danger was one of them. Okay. And uh, it was Henry Danger. And I can't remember who the superhero was. He was his sidekick. Henry Danger was his sidekick. But there was another one called The Fundermans and it was about a uh, family, Thunderman. And, uh, and then he had his wife and had two sons, a son and a daughter, and they were like superheroes and they were sort of in a witness protection program. So they weren't supposed to like show their powers. Okay. And the son wanted to be a villain. Uh, and he was always sort of palling around or trying to get into the villain league who was led by dark mayhem. But there was one particular, they had a bunch of like villains and these were like kind of funny villains. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it was like princess, uh, pinchness who was like a princess, but she had really gigantic hands and she would pinch you and King, King crab. But one of them was called Skelestro and he kind of had like a Cobra thing, but he sounded just like your voice of Slither. So every time oh, yeah. that you, uh, you spoke like Slither, I was thinking that sounds like Skelestro. <laughs> uh, I was wondering why you kept smiling. <laughs> it's such a fun little show. I don't know if you ever get a chance to, to watch it. It's a, it's a cute show. Okay. Um, but plays great uh, homage to homage to, to superheroes. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, maybe I'll check that out. Uh, now, getting back to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, this is the first appearance, and they all supposedly died uh, at the top. Uh, yeah. But, Bob, do you um, do any of these villains ring a bell with you at all? Um, they really don't. I mean, I think they came back many, many issues later, right? In Cap. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, I, I wanted to to kind of bring up is that um it was issue 344 uh no 343 so issue mm -hmm. 343 uh they came back uh, and so that was uh written by mark grunwald and that was the um oh gosh uh do you remember the cover where it was John Walker as Cap and and uh, Lamar as Battlestar, and they're up in the sky and they're falling, and then there's a boulder above them, and there's like these mutants um, that right, are on top yeah. of it. Yeah, they're breaking out other mutants. Yeah, that's them. Wow, that was, that was I think Lifter who was making the boulder, you know, uh, fly, and then there was the guy with the flames, and there was. Uh, you know, Peeper, he was shooting rays from his eyes. Uh, yeah, they, they were all there. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's quite a hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, because that, that didn't come out until 80, 88. Yeah. Came out in 88. So, yeah, years, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, 11 years later, um, and Mark Grunewald decided to resurface these Jack Kirby creations. That's, that's huh. kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. All yeah. right, Bob. Well, uh, next episode, should we talk about that? Sure, let's do All it. All right, we're kicking off uh, recap, uh, which is uh, where we're going to cover some comics, but not go through them panel by panel, not act them out. We're just going to uh, talk about the stories and uh, kind of go through them and, and share our thoughts on those. And we're going to be doing the Theater of War one-shots. Now, these came out in 2008 and 2009 and there were seven one shots uh four of which i believe were written by paul jenkins mm -hmm. and so um considering i might as well say it now uh the following episode episode 173 we're gonna have paul jenkins on the show 
And so Paul Jenkins is, uh, people may remember, he was the writer for the Mythos series, including the Captain America Mythos. Um, he did these theater of war one shots, uh, as well as some some other cap related books. But he's more famous for for other things like the Inhumans miniseries or creating the century or doing Wolverine origin or uh, any of those uh, big, big stories. But um, anyway, so we're going to have him on the show. So I thought it'd be great for us to cover uh, the those theater of war one shops in, in next episode. Yeah, that will be fun. Um there's some good stuff in there. A lot of good gems. A lot of folks haven't heard about those or haven't read them because they're a little bit out of, you know, out of, uh, out of the, out of the main, you know, causeway of, of cap cap stories. So it's definitely worth digging into those and, and familiarizing yourself with them. Yeah. All right. So that'll be fun. We'll, uh, we'll do those next episode. And listeners, if, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast series, we always appreciate you uh, rating and reviewing us on the podcast that you listen on um, and make sure that you subscribe to you, you get every episode every Wednesday. Um, and uh, we, we really do appreciate uh, you going on Apple and giving us a five-star review. And uh, in fact, Bob, guess what? We've got what? a new review on Apple. What? All right, Bob, shall I read it? I, I'm i not going anywhere until you do. All right. Well, this one was uh, given on January 4th of 2024 and by a uh, name of P as in Paul, B as in boy, Cap 13. So PB Cap 13. And uh, the title to this five-star review is Cap Would Be Proud. I like it already. As a fan of Captain America, I was pleasantly surprised to find a podcast that really appreciates the character and his comic origins. Rick and Bob express their love for Cap through humor, deep exploration of the comic series, and some of the best interviews from Cap creators. Their interactions with their listeners through the group and the podcast really help make me feel like you're with friends rapping Cap. Keep being the best gosh darn hosts out there and keep the Cap podcast coming. Ah, Yeah. Well, thank That's you, nice. PB. We, we, uh, we really do appreciate that. PB gets it. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thanks. And, and if, uh, like I said, if you want to get your uh, review read, just uh, go on Apple and leave us a five-star review. We, uh, we always sincerely appreciate those. Indeed. All right, Bob, as always, I enjoy wrapping cap with you. And I with you. All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. 